Welcome to another episode of Sweet Valley Online. In this episode, we're discussing Sweet Valley Twins number 37, The War Between the Twins. I'm Dove, and I have never even seen a school newspaper. And I'm here with my not-so-evil twins, Wing and Raven. I'm Raven. I have seen a school newspaper, but I use it to wipe my ass on. I'm Wing. I used to work on the school newspaper and at one point was editor, but that doesn't make me the damn Elizabeth. Elizabeth. The war between the twins breaks out when Elizabeth uses her editorial powers to freeze the unicorns out of the best newspaper ever, the Sweet Valley Sixers. Jessica pens a neat 200-word recap of the unicorns' recent exploits, and Elizabeth promises it will go in the Sixers this week. But whoa! Coach Castles breaks his leg, and Elizabeth is forced to bump the fluff piece about the purple-wearing sociopaths in favour of actual news. Naturally, instead of telling Jessica immediately when this happens, Elizabeth waits because it's best to tell her in person. And just as naturally, there's a chain of events that prevents her from doing so, and so Jessica finds out her piece has been bumped when she actually reads the newspaper. After a confrontation with Elizabeth, Jessica says, screw this, the unicorns are launching their own newspaper, and it'll make yours fucking obsolete. Cue a massive comedy of errors as a bunch of shallow, work-shy brats are confronted with the reality of the work that goes into doing a weekly paper. Most unicorns only give a paragraph rather than a full article. Everyone but Jessica and Mary make excuses as to why they can't type or print the paper or do anything helpful at all. And when it finally does get printed a day late, it's on purple paper with purple ink, rendering it unreadable. The unicorns are a joke. The next week, Jessica takes charge. They'll cut down the length of paper, people will actually do the work they're assigned, and Lila suggests they print an interview with new heartthrob Donnie Diamond. They can crib the answers from other articles they've read. That's not plagiarism. They'll change the words. This is a winning idea, and the paper goes from strength to strength as they introduce a new love advice column allegedly penned by Donnie. The only downside is the anonymous notes they keep receiving, saying that the unicorns do not know Donnie. All the while this is going on, there's some kind of unspecified dance or party or thing happening at school, and the unicorns are also in charge of that. Lila was supposed to arrange a band, but unfortunately her music producer uncle completely forgot about helping her, and now nobody's available. As the paper is doing so well that the unicorns can actually charge for it, and everyone knows that Donnie is BFFs with the unicorns, the school assumes that he will be the musical act at the dance, to the point where high school students are asking their younger siblings to buy tickets on their behalf. Ms Langberg, the PE teacher, calls Jessica and Lila into her office to ask about the truth of the situation. They are forced to come clean and admit they don't have a band for the dance, and they've never met Donnie. She says, don't worry, I've got a cousin in a folk band. He's called Donald Kaminsky and the Polka Dots. They really could use the practice. Jessica and Lila are forced to agree. On the night of the dance, Jessica and Lila hold their hands up and explain that they don't know Donnie, he won't be at the party, and there is a riot that kills everyone. Or near enough, people are peaked anyway. And then out comes Donald Kaminsky. As the bloodthirsty cries reach fever pitch, Donald rips off his nerdy wig and geeky jacket, and it is Donny motherfucking Diamond. Oh my god, are you shocked? I'm shocked. I've never been so shocked. Jessica and Elizabeth learn their lesson, and everything is perfect. Excellent. Jessica and Elizabeth learn their lesson, do they? Well, they realise that it was a dick move, and then they give them money. 
well, actually, they say they'll give the money to the school for gym equipment that they raised doing the paper. But then it, I'm fairly certain that the next book, it's business as usual, back to being dicks. Yeah, just just to quickly go on, just from that point, the next book, leaving ahead a week here, going into the future, the next book starts with the the school trying to raise money for assorted video equipment. So even if they did raise this money from the paper, they didn't really give it to the, the people who were counting the money for the uh, uh, Sweet Valley Middle, did they? No, no. This is actually a really good point that I'd like to make because this is a fairly well-off town with fairly well-off neighborhoods and therefore a fairly well-off tax bracket. Why is the school always fundraising for everything? It's because of, is it Mr. Clark? Mr. Clark's financial irresponsibility. I reckon that's what it is. He's got to pay for hookers and blow. So really, all these references to missing money plots that we've had so far in the year and one month we've been doing this, it's all really coming back to him. He's the real money thief. I like it. I think there was actually a quote in one of the books, which is like, what was it? Um, Mr. Clark stared at the teachers sat around him. We need to raise money, he said, before climbing into his Lamborghini and driving off. Yeah, Uh, but actually, that's a good point, all snark aside, that the lack of continuity in these three books that we're talking about, last week was Mary is Missing, this week is uh, The War Between the Twins, next week is Lois Waller Strikes Back. Um, In Mary is Missing... Ellen, Jessica and Lila, three unicorns, were present to help return a kidnapped girl to her family. In the following book, the unicorns are very bitter because they're not, uh, they've are not they not been in the Sweet Valley Sixers for years. Now, either Elizabeth is a shit editor and doesn't know a news story if she was actually a fucking part of it, or continuity doesn't matter. And then, as Raven pointed out, they're going to give the money that they have gotten from this terrible paper to the school and then in the next book they're fundraising so while this is a really good jamie suzanne who's really good at foreshadowing she's also really good at contradicting herself well it's not necessarily even the jamie suzanne if she's given the plot that if whoever the author is is given the plot that this is what you have to reference whether or not the jamie suzanne writing it knows what happened in previous books or doesn't know they can't just force it in necessarily. So while we do mock the ghostwriters and J.B. Suzanne when things go particularly weird like this, it could be more the publisher's fault than anyone. So it's kind of hard to lay blame. But blame should be put somewhere because that is ridiculous. Someone must pay. Okay, well, I suggest that we lay it at the moment with Bantam Books because I think they're the dudes responsible. So for the time being, they are the root of all evil. Anyway, should we actually go back to recapping the book? Or should we actually start? As I've said, I think that Elizabeth is a shoddy editor at best here. Because if if the unicorns weren't in the newspaper last week for rescuing a kidnapped girl from L.A., you know, it was in L.A. newspapers, then Elizabeth's a fucking moron. She wouldn't know a scoop if it punched her in the tits. Exactly. And, you know, I have bullet pointed this on my recap. So apologies to anyone who's reading and listening. Rosie, you know who you are. We do know that Jessica has a nice way with words um, from that time that she stole Elizabeth's stuff and had to retype it because she spilled spaff all over it or whatever it was. Um, (laughs) I think I must have skipped that chapter. Oh, I've just completely lost my train of thought because of the face Raven pulled. What book was that in? That was, I remember it. What book was it in? It was something wing recapped. It is Three's a Crowd. Oh, yeah. Oh, when Mary first started rocking up. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. 
Yeah. So from Three's a Crowd, we know that Jessica does have a nice turn of phrase. Also, the thing that Jessica wants to put in basically covers Ellen's trip to San Francisco, uh, a trip to the mall, and something else. Oh, Lila's letter from... Yeah, letter from the fan club, Donnie Diamond fan club. Exactly. I just think these are valid things because... Elizabeth always does an interview with a, an exchange student. Oh, what do you think of Sweet Valley? It's a bit fucking narcissistic to go, oh, someone went somewhere else. Well, somewhere else doesn't fucking count, especially when it's San Francisco, which is fucking awesome. You can buy glitter fog globes from there. They're amazing. While San Francisco is awesome, I, I will take a little point of what you said there. I think the Sweet Valley readership would be more interested in finding out what people thought of Sweet Valley than what a random person thought about a random other place. Yeah, but Ellen's not a random person, you know. It's not a huge school. You know, she is a sixth grader. It is a sixth grade paper. There aren't that many people in sixth grade. I mean, I know it's always named Sue. You know, there's not thousands and thousands of students in the sixth grade. They all seem to know each other, even if they don't socially like each other. Yeah. I also think that in the last book, Mary went to... Mexico. Yeah. And that was part of a project, wasn't it? The project they were doing. Yeah. So I think one of Jessica's things that she should have said was, I'm presuming here that Mary's trip to Mexico maybe got a mention in the paper. Obviously it hasn't because Mary's a unicorn and the unicorns haven't had a mention for months. But also she's not a sixth grader. True. Good point. She is. She's a seventh grader. Mary's a seventh grader. She is. Oh, is she? Oh, I see. I mean, I think that so obviously there's a little bit if we go and Doug goes into this really well in the recap itself. Eventually there is a newspaper for the seventh and eighth grades that technically exists at this time, even though we've never heard of it at this point because of Sweet Valley time. So theoretically there's another newspaper out there besides the one the unicorns are about to start. But even then this the Sixers is apparently the big newspaper of the school. So it really should be covering stuff that the seventh graders and eighth graders are doing. So yes, while Mary is not a sixth grader, and maybe that's Elizabeth's reason for not putting it in there, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah, I do agree with that. Like, because the other paper is Gazette 7 and 8, and it covers the seventh and eighth graders. But somehow the sixes is the paper to read. I don't really get it either. Also, no mention of when they use the photography mimeograph that's it no is it yeah yeah the purple inky thing anyway to print the purple stuff. inky thing yeah the purple inky printy thing that's that's what it's called the purple inky thing's an octopus well that's why we're calling it the purple inky printy thing to specify well now i love it yeah so that's all purple things categorized and explained do we want to turn our attention back to the book <laughs> this, 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 this podcast's gone very very bizarre Wing was saying something about, oh yes, you were saying that Gazette 7 and 8 technically exists, but somehow the Sixers has the bigger readership, even though the other paper presumably has more people working on it, if it covers two grades at least. I understand on the meta level that this it doesn't exist when this book is being written, according to Dove's summary for me of how it goes. So we shouldn't probably be analysing this based on having this other paper, but I can't help it because... If the sixth grade has a newspaper, the other grades would have one too. That's just fucking logical. The thing is, didn't um, Elizabeth found the Sixth Valley Sixers? She did, the, the, yes. The Sweet Valley Sixers, yeah. So if she founded it, 
then it's really a, a thing of her own creation. I think that the fact that there's Gazette 7 and 8 might be because nobody in the 7th and 8th grade really were that bothered. So they had to cobble together a team between the two grades to have a skeleton staff to create the paper, maybe? That's a fair assumption, having not read the book. But the book that it occurs in, oh my God, it's serious business. It's oh, okay. it's one of those things where Elizabeth walks in with her sixth grade head on and then is thoroughly schooled about what a child she is and how fucking irrelevant she is. In fact, it's fucking glorious. I may have to go and reread it. But no, it's fucking serious business. It's all grown-up things and politics, and Elizabeth doesn't understand it because it's far too oh. grown-up for her. Once it does exist, it's not a half-assed paper at all. But you're right, at the moment, it doesn't exist because we haven't got to that book yet. Okay, so we've established that we think that Elizabeth's a bad editor because she hasn't put anything of newsworthy note into the paper concerning the unicorns yeah presumably the last thing she did was when lila got her horse and elizabeth was trading her soul for pretending that she owned it that's fair yeah because she did say in that book that, that that was the the price she paid wasn't it yeah yeah hang on belinda layton's a unicorn isn't she she is surely they put sports stories in there if she's still the star picture for the team Shh, I don't think this Jamie Suzanne knows that Billy Layton exists. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, Grace Oliver as well has also fucking vanished. Those two unicorns not really around at the moment. Okay, so that is the, the, the preamble to the story. Yes. That is the preamble to, to, to the, the, the action that occurs. Yes. And so then Jessica says, well, sod you. I'm going to make a paper and it's going to be all about the unicorns and it's going to be fabulous. And it's actually quite amusing reading the the scenes of their meetings because they're all completely hopeless. So all they keep doing is making an agenda of all the decisions they've got to put, uh, got to make a decision on and then just going, right, we'll deal with that next week. So, you know, that's our agenda sorted. Now, what do you think? Should I or should I not get a haircut? You know? They're completely useless, and it's awesome. I really enjoyed the descriptions of the unicorn meetings in this book. I thought they were exactly what I expected them to be. Uh, basically, what you've just said, just perfect. Yeah, there's some really great... I think I grabbed a couple of quotes. Janet decided that the editors would decide this, but since there weren't any editors for this, it was not known when it would be decided. But nobody seemed to mind. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> that is exactly true for the unicorns and for Jessica and a really great callback to some earlier books where they tried to have that little business for the business project yeah, and everything the fashion was, boutique everyone was a vice president and no one was actually doing any work it's fantastic and I love those callbacks and I really enjoy seeing the unicorns in their natural environment so I did like that quite a bit yeah because that's one thing we don't get from the unicorns very often We're, it's an informed attribute that they're the snob squad and we do get them sitting in the lunchroom being bitchy, but we don't get the unicorns being unicorns because we often hear that they have meetings and they do this and they do that. But all we hear about is they talk about fashion and boys as, as that se that sentence. That's the only thing. We don't actually hear them talking about fashion and boys very often in, in a meeting environment, if you like. It wasn't one of the minutes of the meeting it had. Um, they spent a long time trying to work out what their least favourite colour was. Yes, that was it. And yeah. just FYI, it's green. 
I would have definitely picked a different color as their least favorite, but I wish, I wish we could read the transcripts of that. Like, that's just, yeah. I love them. They're ridiculous. That's great because I think they put the minutes of the meeting in the first. They do. In the, because they needed something to pad out the, the first edition. Though to be fair, I don't trust whoever their secretary is to take accurate notes because again, unicorns. But I think it would probably be Mary. When they actually put those minutes in the meeting, they're like, well, everyone will want to read about the, me- the the minutes. And you're meant to laugh at that and go, no, they wouldn't. But I'm like, yeah, I want to read those. Yeah, please, that'd be ace. And to be fair, doesn't Jessica walk behind some seventh graders who are saying, oh, I've always wanted to know what they're on about. And the other one goes, oh, grape soda and what their least favourite colour is. Right? <laughs> also, and the secretary is definitely not Mary because she's the treasurer for the last book we recapped last week. That's a good point, actually. And I think she always has been as well. I suppose she could be the only person doing anything and is no doing everything. But I don't think that's how they actually want us to think it's set up. I can't think of any other unicorn that can actually spell everybody else's names, though. I mean, I love Ellen, but we're fucked if she keeps the minutes. Or that could type, even. I mean, I'm sure they handwrite them, but it would be so much faster if they were typing it. And Mary is the only person that could type. In fact, in the book in the book series itself generally it's only elizabeth and mary who type which just cracks me up even of course reading from now back then but even back then we took typing classes in school i it just blows my mind that no one else could type but those two basically well i didn't take typing classes until the sixth form so i was about 15 16 in my old boys school we had our information technology class And our first information technology class we had for our third year of secondary school, which would have been ages 13, around then, we actually had no computers for our information technology class. So what we had to do was get an exercise book, open up to the middle page, and draw a life-size keyboard on it. We then had to sit there and pretend to type on this life-size keyboard, touch type with the... uh, you know, your letters in the home positions, your, ha- your hands in the home positions. And looking straight ahead, not at a screen, obviously, because we didn't have computers, just at the wall. While the teacher would walk around watching where we'd be typing our fingers. And if we got something wrong, he'd hit us on the back of the hand with a metal ruler. It's also worth pointing out, Raven can't touch type. I feel like the school system failed him. No. Well, you know, every time I try, I feel the pain in the back of my hand, like Harry Potter's got Dolores Umbridge's quills been engraved in the back of my hand. Yeah, not good. Of all the stories you've ever told us on the podcast or off, this may be my favourite story (laughs) ever. That's amazing. Everything. The drawing your own keyboard, the getting hit for not typing correctly on your fake keyboard. Oh, thank you. (laughs) The thing with it is, though, I mean, at the time, I'm like, this is just punishment this is horrible but then i thought to myself the teacher must have been absolutely fuming because i'm sure that's not what he got into information technology teaching for it's like we need an information technology teacher oh yes we'll employ one we haven't got any computers what you'll be doing is hitting students with a ruler for a year (laughs) that is truly horrifying and hilarious yeah every whack is just i hate my job i hate my job your hand represents my job (laughs) so going back to the paper obviously the first paper they put together is a complete car wreck because lila suggests uh they print on purple paper 
to really give it that unicorn stamp. And they all agree that it should be light purple because otherwise you won't be able to read it. And then Lila goes to the shop and sees a dark purple that's so much prettier and buys that. And it is pretty much the same colour as the ink that they print it with. So the first paper is pretty much unreadable. And I have to slag off Amy here because Amy has a little scene with Elizabeth where she's slagging off the paper saying that it's rubbish and, you know, there's spelling errors and um, they put in a recipe and the recipe quantities are off and isn't it hysterical they're such morons? And do you know that Lila Fowler wanted to call it hoof print? Isn't that funny? And it's like, you fucking moron, Amy, because I actually went back to Best Friends and Amy had absolutely zero contributions available for the Sweet Valley Sixers when they were putting it together. And in fact, she said, yeah, the only thing I can think of is the Sweet Valley News. And as we learned from the book previous, Mary is Missing, the Sweet Valley News is actually the name of the town paper. So Amy is a fucking moron who is incapable of actually thinking up anything that doesn't already exist. She is a fucking idiot. And I'm not saying that Hoofprint's a, a great name, because I don't think it is. But it's significantly better than any of Amy's contributions. Amy's an idiot. Oh, and obviously her friendship with Ellen is completely dead it's back to we hate each other because unicorn non-unicorn so it's all ruined so now the the thing i liked about the unicorn newspaper was i like the way that they took well the, i like the way that they produced the paper it was an absolute failure and they went away and went right what was wrong with that these are the things that were wrong with that and jessica drove an actual decent paper out of the the wreckage of the first edition. To be fair, actually, a lot of the unicorns went, oh, we're shit at that, let's give up. And Jessica rallied them because she couldn't be proved wrong, which is best Jess ever. Um, she was like, no, I can't let my sister win. Come on, we're unicorns. That's the Jess we love. Yeah, so, and it, it was, it was great best Jess because she was like working hard and trying to make things happen. And I love this Jess. So the second paper was printed on white paper. It had a more professional name, I believe. What was it called? It was just called, I think, the Middle School News rather than the Unicorn News because Jessica decided that the Unicorn News made it sound like it was only four unicorns. Well, and it does. So that's a fair point there. But I loved how Jessica just sweeps in and she's like, no, we're going to fix this and this and this and this because God forbid Elizabeth be right about anything, as you guys said, which is fantastic and best Jess. But I also love books like this that show, even though, you know, we constantly hear that she's not as good a student as Elizabeth and blah, blah, blah. She's very shallow and she only likes fashion and boys. She is really smart and really good at getting things done when she has a good reason for doing it or good in her head reason for doing it and i like it when we get to see books that remember that that she is clever and quick-witted and funny and can do this kind of shit yeah exactly that's the jess i know and love and that's why i take a little bit of umbrage when i read books that you've personally labeled as stupendous like jessica the Rockstar and um, jessica on stage because we know that she can do these things if she sets her mind to it and she does set her mind to it, but then law of the narrative at the end of the book to return back to the neutral state, she has to go, no, I'm bored of that, it's too much hard work, but 
and it's click gone. But I think that's true for her. Like, she's really great at these things, but as soon as she's great at them, the appeal is gone. So she has to go find something else to be great at. And I like, I, that's part of Best Jess for me. You don't find that sad? I find that a bit sad that she can't find the thing that... Because at least Elizabeth has found the thing that she likes. Yeah, but just think how boring Elizabeth is. I mean, Jessica's only 12. Does she really have to find her one true hobby? I mean, there's nothing wrong with fighting at that age. I definitely was writing at that age, and that's still something I do now. It seems very true to me, both for people Jessica's age and for adults. Like, there are people who take one hobby and then do it and figure out how to do it well and then move on because they're bored when there's not the challenge anymore. Serial hobbyists, I guess I could call them. And that's a perfectly fine way to do hobbies. Like, you don't have to set out to do one thing and become the best at it. Uh, so I like that about Jess. I think it fits her personality very well. Because she kind of does the same with people. Like, obviously, Lila is her best friend. And we're told Elizabeth is her best friend. But she kind of cycles through who else she's really interested in talking to. Or different boys catch her attention. So it's all, she's very enthusiastic about life as a whole and that shows up in different interests and i like that okay okay but i can see why you wouldn't too absolutely and besides which like if jessica remained good at at everything and stuck with it she would be one of those really sickening mary sues instead of a really enjoyable one because she'd be in the choir, she'd still be in there. She'd be in the drama club and killing off Dana Larson to make sure that she gets all the best roles. And uh, she'd be running a newspaper and she'd be dancing. And, you know, she'd just become really insufferable, like Mary Sue's in fan fiction. That's fair, I guess. I think in a different series, I might feel more like you do, where I'd want her to over the course of the series, really kind of build up something rather than within each book, suddenly becoming great at this thing and then dropping it. Uh, but it's such an episodic kind of series where as we complain about it regularly, but the point is that nothing could be different at the end of the book, really, because you have to reset for the next book to be the same kind of rise and fall episode. Uh, so it's, I do find it super annoying that these things disappear, never to be seen again. But I think having interest in different things works as, as a character trait for her. But yeah, in a different type of series, it would annoy me if every time we met her, she's like, no, I like this now, or no, I like this now. But in that sort of situation, I don't think this it happened within a book. Like, she wouldn't start ballet dancing and then become this great soloist and then suddenly be done with it, though it occasionally comes up. Or she wouldn't be this great stage actor and then be done with it. Uh, it'd be built over more books so it wouldn't feel quite as abrupt if she picked something up and then got bored and went on to something new the fact that it happens every what a hundred pages basically uh is very quick yeah i guess my issue is that obviously elizabeth manages to reset her character back to base elizabeth if you like for each book with the same set of friends and the same outlooks but still manages to maintain a clear thing that she enjoys which is writing in the Sweet Valley Sixes. Jessica does the same, to be honest, to be fair, but the thing that she enjoys is the unicorns and doing unicorn meetings. But that isn't given the same weight as Elizabeth's hobby because it's more of a pastime rather than something you work at. I think that's a really good point, actually, because even though we as readers really love Jess and these hobbies as she's in the middle of them and doing great things... But you're right. 
we're told, especially in the intro chapters of each book, that what Elizabeth does is very important. And even though theoretically this is supposed to be from Elizabeth's point of view that it's very important, uh, it's more we're more told that what Elizabeth does is important, what Jessica does is shallow and flighty, and so the book itself seems to treat all of these things as, as just another sign that she's shallow and flighty. Whereas I'm looking at it as if that gives her more depth of personality. But you're right. Like the book doesn't support that. The book itself doesn't think that what she's doing is worthwhile. And all she can do is reset to someone who only cares about gossiping, which isn't true. And it's not a fair book point of view when it's supposed to be equally about these twins. So that's an interesting interesting focus that does kind of change things this does come up in like future books actually um and by future books i mean all the way into the future like there are there are times when jessica gets involved in a zany scheme that isn't ruthlessly self-serving and it's not about hurting anyone else and it still comes with the same slap in the face as her wacky schemes do like if she I don't know, I haven't read Sweet Valley High for ages, but let's say she tried to start um, a home business or something like Avon or something like makeup, uh, which is her trying to find a way to make money doing something she likes. This is met with the same, ah, it all falls apart, isn't just silly, as when she's scheming how to break up so-and-so from her boyfriend so that Jessica has a better shot at being prom queen. So... It is an ongoing thing that everything Jess does is pointless. So that kind of high level makes me wonder, is Jessica supposed to be the villain? Or not the villain, but the kind of the antagonist in this book? Not this book, the series overall, Sweet Valley Twins, Sweet Valley High, etc. Is she, is Elizabeth really supposed to be our main protagonist? Maybe. Like, I always kind of thought it was treated as they were, these are stories about twins, so it's equal. But I obviously haven't read anything beyond where we are now, uh, period. Now, I guess I'm curious, is it not really a story about twins equally in their lives? Is it a story about good twin Elizabeth, the protagonist, and evil twin Jessica, who does shallow scheming things for no reason? I don't know. I think it probably straddles the line a bit in a very weird place. If Jessica does something that is outstandingly awful and really unforgivable to real human beings, that's kind of regarded as Haha, wacky Jess. But if Jess does something in earnest that's not going to hurt anyone, that's also regarded as Haha, wacky Jess. You know, it, it's got this weird kind of morality on her. When she's bad, it's just like, nah. And when she's good, it's just like, nah. Whereas if Elizabeth does something good, it's because she's Saint Elizabeth and the saviour of our souls. And if she does something bad, it's wildly out of character and must be judged very hard. And she's probably got amnesia or drunk half a cup of uh, wine. Huh, that's very weird. Yeah. Okay, going back to the book. Yes. What did you think of the whole Donnie Diamond or what was his name? Derek Akura and the Polka Dots or whatever. Donald Kaminsky and the Polka Dots. That's the fella. Yeah, what did you think of that whole debacle? Well... I used the word debacle, so you might guess what I thought of it. Obviously, Sweet Valley, everything turns out perfectly. Me, I'd have preferred a riot with actual bloodshed and, you know, Winston Egbert's head getting, like, crushed into the school gym floor and you know jessica and lila being ripped limb from limb by angry high schoolers and the awkward editorial that elizabeth would have to do in the sixes the following week 
because you know that bitch would survive. Lest we forget obituary of all the people <laughs> who got trampled in the carnage. But um, it's Sweet Valley, so obviously that was going to happen. And so I just kind of let that go. See, I don't think I can let that go because I was really pissed off about the way that the teacher... Who was the teacher who sorted the... Did Ms. Langberg. Ms. Langberg. She was like, right, okay, these girls need to be taught a lesson about don't plagiarise and you got to apologise for this leading the, the, the masses on to believe that Donnie Diamond's going to be appearing at this party. But she didn't know how it was going to go. And obviously... She was hoping it went the way it did with Donny Diamond revealing himself from Donald Kaminsky's carnage, ripping off the wig or whatever it was. But when Lila and Jessica were on on the stage saying, "Look, sorry guys, it's not going to happen. We've got no, we haven't got Donny Diamond. We never did. It, we were lying all the time." The crowd were getting angry and booing and stuff. And as a responsible adult and teacher, uh, she shouldn't have put Lila and Jessica in that position because all it would have taken was somebody to throw a bottle of lukewarm piss at one of them you know what i mean i've been to concerts i know what happens have you been to any in sweet valley because i'm not entirely sure that anybody pees there no okay well maybe a shoe take a shoe off and throw that at one of them ah, they definitely know. have shoes yes it could have happened that it could have turned into something a lot uglier yeah than, than it than it did and yeah, I, I, that, something about that just struck me as massively irresponsible i mean yeah you hate the teachers well yeah they're all a bunch of pricks but that just seemed to me i'm all for trolling don't get me wrong but that was pushed too far you know i wouldn't have i would have appreciated maybe at the end even after it all went well if the head principal mr clark just tapped miss landberg on the shoulder and was like uh, can i have a word in my office please just just something like that because it was obvious obviously not the way you treat 12 year olds yeah I agree. It's not, I don't even think it's really trolling at the point where it's a teacher, someone in a position of power, picking on students. Whether I mean, they're completely in the wrong here. They shouldn't have plagiarized. They shouldn't have lied. They kept digging the hole deeper for themselves. But that's not how she should have handled it. And the book could have been written just the same story and plot arc without that. Because Donnie Diamond's the one who's sending the letters, those secret letters in the first place. He is young enough and involved enough that it doesn't become quite the same level of adult trolling kids that they have power over. Like, they're lying about him. I can absolutely see him responding in a way that is like that. Those anonymous notes that you should really quit doing this shit, that makes sense. But the teacher getting on it is very weird. And I love, well, love might be too strong a word. I like this sort of plot point where... You get this band that sounds nerdy or someone that you don't think. Like we went through this not too many books ago with the DJ that when he was not being a DJ, he was, you know, not the kind of guy that Jessica thought was a DJ and that he was the super cool. Everyone loves him DJ. So I like that. Hello and welcome to the Dave Colquist app. <laughs> I like the uh, idea of that that shows up, in, not just in Sweet Valley books, but everywhere that, you know, this kind of geeky looking kid is actually this cool rock star but you didn't need to have this teacher setting them up for potential violence actual physical violence but even if not that emotional bullying that's going to come from them having done this if it doesn't go off exactly the way the teacher wants so that was a mess the way that it it played out is the only way that didn't end in bloodshed but it's also the way that 
Jessica and Lila get away with it because I'm sure plenty of kids walked away from that going, fuck me, what a joke. They had me going for a second. I really thought that he wasn't coming and that they didn't know him. It's all very dramatic, very unicorn thing to do to kind of tease us before they give it to us. Yeah. A couple of minor points about it as well. Um, The fact that Donnie Diamond is Miss Langberg's cousin. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that someone like Caroline Pierce or even the unicorns would have would have that would have been knowledge somehow donnie diamond in an interview might have mentioned that he's coming to sweet valley soon to do oh yes i've got relatives there or something although i can give that a pass i guess but i, I do think that, that would have been known but another thing about that i'd like to say is about the sort of i don't want to use the word maturity because it's not really the word i'm looking for but the development of the series if you remember from very early on the um, i think it was johnny book the one where she, Jessica snuck out to the Johnny Book concert and chained the, the, chained yeah. the dog to the Yes, to my the, favourite the book. <laughs> that whole time she said that Johnny Book had sent her some personal stuff. Or, and he was an honorary unicorn, just like Donnie. And he was going to be an honorary unicorn. And that was a big thing because that was obviously something that would never happen. And as a reader, we, we believe that because that's, it is stupid. But at the end of this book... Donny Diamond actually becomes an honorary unicorn. Yeah. I'd like to say, oh, well, that's quite a nice tie back to that, but I don't think it was. I think that is the series getting to a stage now where they're going, right, let's just pluck a few more preposterous things out of the fire. Yeah. And put those into the, uh, into the mix. It's almost like we're supposed to be so invested in the series that we will believe anything that they tell us. And I don't, it's like, so I think people can look at what we're doing here, recapping and podcasting about it and say, well, you're adults. And even if you're reading it for the first time, you're reading it for the first time as adults. But kids, especially kids of the age range that this is aimed at, so probably eight to 10, seven to 10, they're not stupid. They're not going to just believe things because a book tells them to necessarily. Mm. So it does feel like it's just getting how do we make it more dramatic or more exciting or more ridiculous? And we're only 37 main books in at this point. They shouldn't be reaching this far this early. And I know, again, high level wise, this came after Sweet Valley Twins was already a thing. Or Sweet Valley High was already a thing, right? Yeah. So I get that in some ways they were already like, oh, we're super ridiculous because you got to keep upping the drama like you would with a soap opera or any sort of episodic storytelling. But this is for a different audience. We shouldn't be at this point that 30-some books ago, there's no way that a rock star would become an honorary unicorn. It is to laugh and then be here where, oh, of course I am. And let's take a real picture this time. And yay, everything is sunshine and roses. Yeah, even like Tween Dove, when she read this for the first time, rolled her eyes and went, oh, for fuck's sake. She probably used those words because Tween Dove was really offensive as a child. Because adult dove is never offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. Anyone Anyone got anything else to say about this book? Yes. I have two things. Uh, number one, for some reason, Janet Howell's brother is called Sam in this book. Don't know why. His name is Joe. I think you'll find. I think you'll find. So that just needs lampshading because stupidity. And second of all, I really did enjoy Ms. Langberg's trolling of them in the various meetings that she had with Jessica and Lila, making them sweat, because that in itself was great trolling. If it had ended there, that would have been awesome. Yeah, fair. Uh, I think that's a good point. I can agree with that. 
because I'm pretty sure that this Jamie Suzanne was just gleefully typing, going, yeah, this is really funny. <laughs> I do think, at least in the first meeting, the teacher bringing them in and being so clearly, I know what's going on, without actually coming out and saying that, was well done. Because she's giving them the chance to admit what they've done and, and take responsibility. As it keeps going, I think it becomes more of this abusive kind of situation where she is abusing her power over them to torment them. But I did enjoy the first, or if that had all been in the first meeting, I think I would have liked it better. My favorite thing, and it's such a throwaway piece, my favorite thing is that when they have run out of interview stuff to do with Donnie Diamond, they decide to answer questions from their readers but as if they're being answered by Donnie Diamond. And I so desperately want a unicorn advice column that I am <laughs> yeah. just brokenhearted that this doesn't exist. It's such a perfect thing for them. Caroline has a gossip column. The unicorns getting an advice column would have solved all of this fucking bullshit just from the get-go. Yeah, that would have been an excellent resolve. Especially because like, after two or three months, they'd be like, nah, fuck it, can't be asked," And it gets dropped. I... I'm on the fence about that because all it would take was, you know, this week we have a letter from Elle. Elle is saying that she is getting bullied in the school because she thinks she is overweight. Our advice to you, Elle, is to kill yourself. You are overweight. You have no place in this society. I can see Elizabeth Prince in that as well, to be honest. Yeah, because Elizabeth's a fucking idiot. I was going to say, what, you think there's no supervision over what's printed? But then I realized, yeah, this is Sweet Valley. There probably is no supervision. As Dove brings up in the fanfic she wrote and uh, posted earlier this month that she should go read. <laughs> Look, I got my little blurb in, or not my little blurb. What's that called? Link? Ad- Segway? Sieg? Advertisement, but ad's not the word I want. But uh, Look, I got my little ad for it in this time. Oh, um, well, actually, I was going to bring this up. I believe the Sixers is going to print on Tuesday and uh, Liz and Julie are frantically jiggling stuff around to make it all fit. Um, For those of you listening, I'm actually doing hand actions to show what I mean. And what's his face? Um, Dresses like a time, time lord. Mr. Bowman. Yes, that's it. He does dress like a Time Lord. He runs in and he actually yells, stop the presses, and says, Coach Castles broke his leg yesterday. And it's like, dude, what has taken you so fucking long? Like, you're a teacher. You would have known this yesterday. Why is it taken from then until now? And then he's like, yeah, so, Amy, if you could go over to the hospital and get an interview, and then I'm going to let you... um, write up the article during my class and it's like so you're just going to send a 12 year old out of school to the hospital to do an interview to come back and skip a class so that she can write this fucking article and then everyone stays late to print the newspaper what the fuck is wrong with you that is pretty hilarious though i was super super nostalgic over the idea of physically cutting and pasting pieces onto the board for the layout because that's how we did it when I first started doing newspaper and it doesn't make me the fucking Elizabeth (laughs) yeah it kind of does doesn't yeah it really does but especially around the sixth grade when we did have newspapers still not the Elizabeth didn't start it isn't your favorite color blue just like Elizabeth now, now. Anyway, there was a lot of adult supervision. Even at the high school level, we still had an advisor. And yeah, the editors, especially the 
editor-in-chief and the managing editor worked together to make decisions about what went in and didn't go in and things like that, there was still an adult involved in this whole process. So it just, again, Sweet Valley teachers and school administration are just failures all the way around. I think I'm on Raven's side with this anymore. Good. It's just terrible. They are all irredeemable. Plug. Plug is the word you were looking for. Yes, that is the word I was looking for. <laughs> I got my Just in time there, Dove. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> really on top of things over there. You want to give us some deep insights about the haunted house and Nora fucking McCandy while you're at it? Okay, so um, are we done talking about this book? Yeah, I think we've pretty much covered... Has, has anybody else got any... No, I think I've uh, said all I need that needs to be said about this one. Well, even if I did, it's gone now because I'm dying over you two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to the favourite part of our uh, podcast, Bleak Valley. what i'm going to do is cut out you saying i got nothing in that tone of voice and then we can just put that in at the beginning of every bleak bleak valley uh, uh, segment because you always say that in that tone of voice before coming out with some great ideas you're kind of an arsehole you've said that quite a few times as well to be honest probably an asshole but it doesn't make it wrong Mm -hmm. oh god i feel like this one really just takes us back the way a lot of them do in that She's built up this, in her head, great relationship between her and the side of her that's free, Jessica, and it starts to fall apart and they have to find a way to overcome it and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like that's such an easy Leak Valley setup because it's happened in, you know, half of the books, if not more, just because of how repetitive the books are, that it doesn't feel good enough for Bleak Valley anymore. But I don't know that I have anything else useful. I'm wondering if she's actually getting fed up with herself at this point, because I don't know whether as a reader you're supposed to side with Jessica, but I bloody well do. Um, And I, I wonder if Bleak Elizabeth is actually getting fed up with her sort of inactivity and she just wanted Jessica to be annoyed with Sweet Valley Elizabeth for a legitimate reason. That very well could be it. I agree. I was definitely on Jessica's side in the Sweet Valley thing. And it's an ongoing thing because technically this one bumping of the unicorn piece made sense. Though that's not, if it was something that happened the day before, that's not stop the press kind of news. But that unicorn recap of stuff they'd done weeks ago doesn't necessarily fit in this particular paper. But Elizabeth did that to herself. Had she been including them in a more timely manner, this wouldn't be old news. And they wouldn't be so mad at her if she had to bump this piece because they've already been mentioned recently. Like, say, when they rescued a kidnapped girl, as people have mentioned earlier. On the one hand, I think we are supposed to sympathize with Jessica here and be annoyed with Elizabeth. And I think that that's a really good point, that maybe Bleak Valley Elizabeth who keeps setting up these scenarios where someone comes and saves her, where she's not super proactive about things, maybe she is getting annoyed 
And that can even tie back to the last book, Mary is Missing, when, as we talked about last week's podcast episode, the Wakefield twins aren't actually the ones that go in and save the day. They aren't the ones leading this drive. Someone else comes in and does all that final work to rescue the kidnapped girl. And it's possible that Elizabeth is just sick of waiting around to be saved. It's sick of herself sitting there waiting around to be saved and taking whatever's dished out at her. But then it turns into a cautionary tale because Elizabeth, uh, Jessica's newspaper spirals out of control and gets her in trouble. And she wanted Jessica to have a fight with Elizabeth, but then had to make Jessica the bad guy so that bleak Elizabeth doesn't do anything stupid like running outside and going, I exist, I exist, will someone please save me? Because if no one's out there to save her, she's going to get dragged in by her hair and thrown down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that basically was going to mirror what I was going to say, um, in that we could see bleak Elizabeth knowing that she has two sides to her own personality. She has the good girl side, which is Elizabeth Wakefield in her fantasies, and she has her real side, which is Jessica. And she knows that the good girl side is the one that is getting her through her life, getting her through without too much horror from Alice and Ned. But she really wants to be bleak Jessica. And so the whole war between the, the twins is the war between the two sides of her personality. And yeah, as you say, the paper, the unicorn paper doing so badly, but then doing so well. And, and she's thinking, yes, I can I can do this. But then come into the subconscious realisation that no, she'll only get into more trouble if she if she continues to not conform and B, Bleak Elizabeth. And we've all gone quiet and pensive as we worry about little Elizabeth in, in the basement. Oh, is that what we're doing? I was just sitting here and thinking, yeah, that was really smart things that everybody said. Let's yeah. that. <laughs> we'll, we'll take that. Usually we have a little bit of a worry about Elizabeth in the basement. That's fair, we do. Bleak Valley Elizabeth is, makes us feel things, possibly because we're the ones saying that she's going through all this crap. Okay, so where would you rate this book, Dove? I would give it a good, despite Ms. Langberg getting out of control, which I hadn't really thought of in my recap. But when you guys said it, it does make a lot of sense. But I would definitely give it a good because I do love proactive Jess who takes charge and wants to make this a good thing that everyone likes, even if it is just to stick two fingers up at her sister. And I just like just doing stuff and doing it well and getting herself into a massive amount of trouble because that's how she rolls when she's written well. I think I too would give this book a good. I don't think it's as strong a good as uh, Mary is Missing. Um, it's closer to meh for me than um, good, uh, than, than, than uh, stupendous at the other side of the scale. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd be happy to place this as good because it was a fun read. Uh, the Donny Diamond thing was a bit annoying at the end, but other than that, the unicorn stuff was wonderful. Oh, and can we also just take a moment to appreciate Lila printing Donny's signature in the paper with the logic of, it's my signature, they sent it to me, it's my letter, I can do whatever I want with it. And it's like, can't fault that. Yes, that's that's how the law works, Lila. Well done. I did love Lila in this quite a bit, though. If you've got that much money, that probably is how the law works, to be honest. That's exactly how the law works at that monetary level. Uh, it's, it's a good for me, too. 
like Raven, it's probably closer to meh. And even though I said last week that I always believe in rounding down, I don't think it's close enough to meh to round down, but it's it's just kind of a low-end good for me. It was fun. Uh, it might have been a little bit higher before Raven made such a good point about the teacher abusing her power and how that could have gone so terribly wrong. But I also just thought that ending, as usual, was just a little too trite. I like that trope, but it wasn't... It was just played straight here. You know, nerdy guy comes up and is actually the cool rock star. We've already had that happen. We'd already had the rock star wanting, like, them wanting a rock star to be an honorary member of the Unicorns. The ending just felt already done in Sweet Valley. And even for Sweet Valley time where things just keep cycling and double dipping plots and all of that, that part was just kind of a letdown. So, yeah, lower side of good. I will say that I give that um, a little bit more of a pass because Wing and I have read a book where they use that trope, but it's a standard YA book, so it's even more unbelievable. We both read the book at the same time, and the minute we finished, obviously, she finished it in about 30 minutes and I took a wee. We got on Skype and we were both furious about it that, you know, that three regular kids had met a rock star and, you know, the rock star that they'd always loved. And it was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. So in Sweet Valley, I give it a little bit more leeway because Sweet Valley's kind of its own special bubble of celebrity and magic and, you know, bullshit. That's true. When I say I love this trope, I guess I really do love it when it's in series or books that are more trope driven, like Sweet Valley is or like Babysitter's Club would be, etc. When it's something that's touted as a contemporary, but then it like a contemporary story, but then it's supposed to rely so heavily on these ridiculous tropes, just makes it unbelievable and annoying. Yeah, indeed. So. So overall, good is how yes. that book came out. Oh, it's just cool. it's just like the analysis at work. Like, you know, when you get your end of year review and you're told that you're satisfactory and um, <laughs> you're like, and then your manager says to you, don't be insulted. Satisfactory means you're doing really well. And you're like, yeah, but Janice is also satisfactory and she doesn't know how to turn a computer on and she licks the photocopier. Well, also, words mean things. It's satisfactory does not mean really well. So I think you're wrong there, manager. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to wind us up then, Dove? Wind us up. How about down? Okay, wind us down. Okay. Well, I believe we have put the world to rights regarding the unicorn paper, whatever the fuck it was called. Uh, so thank you for listening. Cheers, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the Sweet Valley Online podcast for book 37, The War Between the Twins, recorded on the 14th of January 2018. You can access all of our past recaps and podcasts at sweetvalley.online, which is a member of the nostalgicbookshelf.com family. Check us out on facebook.com forward slash sweetvalleyonline or Tumblr at sweetvalleyonline.tumblr.com. Our music is supplied by Stuart Taylor. He can be contacted at taylorstuart602 at gmail.com for all your musical needs. We can be found on Twitter under sweetvalley underscore, which is Dove. Wing is Devil's Elbow Pod. And Raven is bookshelf underscore Raven. Next week, we will be talking about Sweet Valley Twins number 38, Lois Strikes Back. Be sure to join us on the 2nd of February. Until then... Don't plagiarise other people's work, it's really naughty.